during the week. Um, let's read verse 27 through 29. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Last week, Caleb asked the question, would God have rescued Lot if Abraham would not have prayed? thought that was a great question. said, we can't say that he wouldn't have done it. But in our passage today, it's clear that God remembered Abraham's prayer and he had mercy on Lot. In response to the prayer. Verse 29. It's kind of like a summary statement. It, it kind of summarizes. Everything that's happened. Really going all the way back into chapter 18. In about two sentences. It tells us everything. Well it does tell us everything. It tells us the most important thing. It summarizes the main point. Sometimes I, I ask my kids. Tell me about a movie you've watched. And they want to give me a 35-minute version, but I need about a two-minute version. <laughs> Sometimes I myself can be long-winded and give way too many details. I inherited that uh, from, from my dad, and it's just a part of my personality. And, and so, um, you know, verse 29 is a quick summary statement. And this week, I looked at Several stories from throughout the Bible of where people prayed, trying to piece some things together, trying to ask, what is it, Lord, that you want me to say today? And, you know, we're preaching on a very, we're looking at a very small passage today. And I've, I've got to tell you, as, as an elder in this church, I, I feel so strongly that any time... Almost any time we come across the topic of prayer, I feel that God wants us to zero in on that and look at that. Because it is a calling on our lives that He wants us to grow in so much more. As individuals, as, as families and households, and also as a church family. The Lord wants us to grow in this. Let me tell you a story. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. King David had a child. The Lord brought sickness to the child. And David prayed and he fasted for a long period of time. And some of the elders that worked in David's household, they, they, they tried to get him to eat. You know, you, you need to eat, David. You're, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. And he says, no, I'm going to pray that my son would recover from this illness and that it'll be okay. His son did not recover. His son died. We don't know exactly how old the child was, but his son died. David got up, he washed himself, he went to the house of the Lord, which was the tabernacle at that time, and he worshipped, and then he was ready to eat. The elders of the house were kind of like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And David just said, well, while 
my son was still alive. I was praying and pleading with the Lord that the Lord might spare him. But now that he's gone, I just know I'll, I'll see him in the next life is what King David prayed. And that, that's a story where God did not answer prayer. And I look at verse 27 and 28, and I ask this question. Did Abraham know that Lot was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah? Because shortly after the fire and the sulfur rained down in judgment, Abraham went and looked at the place where he had met with the Lord to see what was going on, and the smoke of that city rose up like a furnace. And the Bible never tells us If Abraham knew that Lot was delivered or not. How do you move forward in life when you don't know if God's answering your prayers or not? Have you ever had a a prayer time or a, a particular thing you were praying for or just a general season of life where you just felt like all your prayers hit the ceiling and fell back down? I want to tell you that it is highly likely. I, b- I believe in this strongly, and I, and I believe the, the, these, these scriptures. I can't make a strong argument from this, but I just knowing the character of God, it, you know, it fits in very much with the story. God can be doing all kinds of stuff and never show you or tell you what He's doing. Did you know that? Amen. God. Can be Some of you got kids and grandkids that are far, far away and you pray for them every day and you have no way of knowing whether or not God is answering those prayers or not. And I pray with you. You know who I'm talking about. So I mean, if it's you, you know who I'm talking about. You've got friends, you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you've got parents. And they're too far away and you're too disconnected to... To know under the current circumstances, is God doing it or not? But you desperately want God to do it. I tell you today, if you're in that situation, or if you've been praying for the same person for years and you see it every day and God hasn't answered the prayer yet, you keep on praying it. If it you, 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 you ask the Lord, Lord, am I praying rightly on this one? So do that. And if... You have reason to believe that you are praying rightly. You just keep praying and don't lose heart and don't give up. Read Luke chapter 18 if you need some encouragement in this. We just pray and we pray and we gather once a month on the first Wednesday of every month. And what do we pray for? All kinds of stuff. But we often pray for all the same things we prayed for the previous month, don't we? Well, is that a waste of time or is that boring? No, it's exactly what God wants us to do. And our God is sovereign. There's all kinds of things that He can bring about and never even tell us. I mean, He's told us so much, so He doesn't have to tell us everything that's going on here. I was here earlier today. Um, it, the sun had already come up. I was in my office sitting at the chair, and I looked out the window, and on the roof of the carport, this beautiful, I just glanced out. I saw something move, and I glanced out. A little beautiful blackbird landed on the edge of the roof. And I was just like, it's awesome. I got to thinking about it. That silly little bird. I mean, I mean, there's thousands of them, all hundreds of thousands of them all around. 
A silly little bird has no idea that I'm sitting here or that I'm paying any attention to him at all. And I couldn't help but wonder how much is God doing, knowing that He's supreme and that He reigns supreme over all the universe. He's got a plan. He's bringing it to completion. And in His grace, we get to be a part of it. Knowing that all those things are true, how much is God doing even just a few feet away from me that I don't see and I don't know about? My vision, my perspective is so limited. And I would suggest, I, 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 would, I, I would seek to persuade you that yours is about the same. I want you to pray and not lose heart. And pray and pray and pray. I pray for missionaries and they're too far away. I wonder, is God changing anything? I pray for my neighbors. Many of them I don't see very often. I wonder, you know, well, the next time I see them, will something be different? I pray for our nation. And it just seems like things are just getting worse. Waiting is required for many of our prayers. So I call you as a church family that we must wait and we must persevere in prayer. I told you the story about this David's son who died. God did not answer his prayers. Sometimes prayers aren't answered and you know that it's not answered. There's another story and it's an awesome story. I'd like to read it with you. Go to Acts chapter 12. This is a story where God does answer prayer. It's a long passage, but we'll read it quick. It's a simple story. It's a great story. Acts chapter 12, if you've got a blue Bible, it's on page 1019. 1019 in the blue Bible. Acts chapter 12, we'll begin in verse 1. This is after Jesus died and rose again and went back to heaven, and this is the very early days of the church. Many of his followers are still in Jerusalem and in that area, but some of them are just starting to spread out. Acts 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to him, was made to God by the church. Verse 5. Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all 
that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he wrote to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. God answered the prayers. So sometimes we don't know if he's answering. Sometimes we, he says no. This time here he's saying yes. So what do we do in the midst of our waiting? We have to trust God. Amen. And as I said a moment ago, we have to keep praying. We have to die to ourself and our will, knowing that even if it seems like a good plan, God probably has a better one because He's that kind of God. And if you understand our own broken nature, you know that, that it's so easy to get things wrong. But we know that God always gets it right. And we know that it's good. So this whole thing with prayer, if we're going to pray well and effectively, then our, our, our will and our desires are slowly and gradually conformed to His will and to His desires. So I want to ask this question. Let's move to verse 29. I want to ask this question. What does God remember? Verse 29 says, So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. This is that big summary statement of all that's happened in the last, you know, since the middle of chapter 18. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the judgment. Do you realize that because of your prayers, God might show mercy to someone? That's what he did for Lot. I can't help but think there's some faithful people praying out there. And some of you are in this room. Some of them are in this room. And you're praying, folks, you've been doing it for years. And one day, and it might be after you die, but one day they're going to come to Jesus. God's going to shower his mercy on on that person. And they're going to be in the mercies of God according to God's purpose of election that we looked at two or three weeks ago, and also because of your prayers. Those two things work together. People think that election and predestination and the sovereignty of God means that our prayers or our actions don't mean anything. And I say no. I say no. They encourage human responsibility, and they encourage us to pray. Do you realize because of your prayers, God may show someone mercy? But I asked the question this week, and this is what, 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 what this question is what gripped me and decided to devote an entire day to this passage. What does God remember? I researched that. I found about a dozen passages where it talked about God remembering something. And what he remembers 
Well, he, he remembers lots of things, the Bible says. And obviously we know he remembers everything except for our sin for those who come to Jesus. But the Bible says over and over again that God remembers his covenant. God remembers his promises. God remembers what he's already said he was going to do. The passage in Exodus 2 stood out to me. But this was when the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And it was right before Moses, you know, began his ministry and activity that we read about in the Bible. In Exodus 2, verse 23, it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So the people of Israel, okay, Abraham's descendants are all in Egypt, and they're living a life of very harsh slavery and oppression. And the Bible says they cried out for help. The Bible says that their cry came up to God. It says that God heard them. And it says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. We've already seen the role and the idea of covenant in Abraham's life. And that was carried on through, through his son Isaac and through his grandson Jacob. But God remembered his covenant. And God, the Bible says that God saw the people of Israel and God knew So what does God remember? God remembers his covenant. God remembers his promises. God remembers his word. So I ask this question. What kind of prayer is it that God remembers and acts on? Okay. Abraham had prayed. He said, Lord, if you find ten people in the city that are righteous, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And there's, there's, you know, and his, his nephew Lot was there. But he prayed more than that in Genesis 18. He also said things like, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He said, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare is the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham prayed this prayer, and he's saying, God, this is who you are. I know you well. We've spent a lot of time together. I've seen what you do and how you act. And I know your character and I trust you. Because of your character, I'm going to pray that you don't put to death righteous people along with all the wicked. That you don't treat them the same. Abraham prayed a prayer that was according to the will of God. Abraham prayed a prayer that was based on what he already knew about God. Y'all, prayer is a conversation. If you're not paying attention to what God is saying to you, then you're going to stink at praying. Do you take the Word of God seriously? Do you read it on a regular basis? Do you listen to sermons and make it a point to stay away from other good Christian teaching that you may listen to during a week? Are you soaking up the Word of God so that you can pray well? Prayer is not a one-way conversation where we just talk and He listens. No, prayer is a conversation. He is constantly speaking. The primary way He speaks is through His Word. He speaks to us through our circumstances and in some other ways as well. But those forms of speaking are far below the reverence we give to His Word. His word is so clear and he said so much to us. If you will pray well, then you must listen well. Abraham knew who God was. 
And because he knew God so well, he prayed very, very well. In 1 John chapter 5, we looked at this last summer. John says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What kind of prayers does God answer? He answers the prayers where we ask things according to His will. When we pray for something that God already wants to do, He moves and He acts. Verse 15, it goes on to say, If we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. That's how we pray. We pray according to the will of God. John 15 verse 7 says something very similar. Jesus taught this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. All right, that's the conversation part right there. If my words abide in you. Jesus is saying, if you listen to the things I say, then this is going to happen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What does it mean to abide? It means to sit there. You've been over to my house before and you sit there until you leave, right? You're abiding while you're in the chair, right? Isn't that how it works? You just stay right there. You're abiding in the presence of the Trumans, in the Truman household, right? Okay? You're, you're sitting there, staying there. Do we do that with the Lord? Do we go and sit there with Him? And stay there with Him? In His presence, listening to what He's saying. You know what? If you do that, you're not going to pray anything dumb. If you pray that, you're not going to pray anything stupid. If you pray that, you're not going to pray anything that the Lord isn't okay with. You're going to pray what the Lord wants to do because you've in, been in His presence. And, and this helps us understand how and why God rescued Lot. So I ask you, What kind of prayer is it that God remembers and acts on? He acts on prayers that are in accordance with His heart and His plan and His will. Now if you hear this and you say, well that's kind of dumb, what's the purpose for praying? Because I can't just get what I want. If that's your response to what I'm praying, then your, your view of prayer is deficient. It's common, especially for people who are younger in the faith, to assume that that's true. Prayer is not about us getting what we want. But prayer is about us uniting with our God, abiding in the presence of Jesus, sitting under His Word, And us saying to God, Lord, I believe these are the things that you want. And God, I'm asking you to do it. And God, I'm asking you to do it really soon. But I'm going to wait on you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. So if if for any reason you think, well, then I'm just not going to pray because I'm not going to get, you know, God's not going to do the things I want. If that's your view of prayer, I want you to to change. I want you to grow up. I want you to realize that maybe what you've been taught or maybe what you've assumed is deficient. Now, Now, I'm not telling you 
Don't pray for your desires. But I'm just asking you to consider your desires. And ask yourself, do these line up with the heart of God? Do these line up with what God might want to do? There was a Christian who lived in China in the 1900s under a very oppressive regime. Um, one of the nastiest, most horrible, I mean, just uh, pretty much as bad as Hitler in Germany in the 40s. But he, he lived in China in, in a time of great and incredible persecution. His name, he, he, he was well acquainted with suffering, and because of it, he was well acquainted with our Lord Jesus in a way that most of us will never be, probably. But his name is Watchman Nee, and he wrote this. He said, Prayer is not an expression of our wishes for God to yield to our petitions and fill up our selfish desires. Prayer is the union of the believer's thoughts with the will of God. It is simply the believer speaking out through his mouth the will of God. I'll read that again. Prayer is not an expression of our wishes for God to yield to our petitions and fill up our selfish desires. Prayer is the union of the believer's thoughts with the will of God. It is simply the believer speaking out through his mouth the will of God. So I told you that story earlier about David's son dying. The Lord inflicted his son with an illness and the Lord took him. Okay, that's clear when you read. There's a detail. There's something in the context that I left out when I told you earlier, and that was intentional. David, well, well that, that child's mother, was. her name was Bathsheba. And Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah. And David decided, I really like her. We're all old enough here. I want to have sex with her. So I'm going to do what I want to do and kill her husband while I'm at it. And that's what David did. And a prophet told David, because of the evil thing you've done, I'm actually going to take your son away from you and your son is not going to get to grow old. So the child died because of King David, his father's sin. God had already told David that I'm going to take the child. That was the will of God. David prayed anyway. But it wasn't God's will that the child would live because God had other purposes to fulfill. And God was still good and he was just and right in what he did in taking this child's life. I just share that with you to say that there's all kinds of things that are going on in our world that are in the mind and heart of God that might not be in yours. And, and I want to ask you to the, do this no matter what. Just trust our God. In loss, in pain, in misunderstanding, no matter what it is, trust our God. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus did it perfectly. He trusted his God. He trusted his Father. He had asked the night before he was crucified, Lord, take this cup from me, but not what I will, but your will be done. Say, in, in God, God had a plan, even though Jesus didn't want to go through it, even though Jesus said, 
take it away. God said no to him because God had a greater plan. And God's plan was that his son would come, as had been prophesied for centuries, that his son would come and lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Church, I want to tell you that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son so that any of you who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is true. Jesus, the perfect, sinless, human son of God, lived under the will of God and trusted his God in pain and in difficulty and in extreme suffering and death and in separation from the Father. And he did it because it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And he did it because he loves you. Church, let's be like our Savior. Let's trust our God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, God, make us... People that pray very, very, very well, God. God, we're, we're doing it. God, we're growing up. God, I, I see it all around me. I see it gradually over weeks and months and years. God, we're learning how to pray and we're learning how to pray together. So God, just continue to work out your purposes in us through these prayers. Through your sanctifying work. It is so mysterious and so wonderful. God, sometimes you say wait. Sometimes you say no. Sometimes you say yes, I'll do it. God, may we persevere regardless of your response. And may our lives, may our our plans and our hope be lined up with your heart as it has been revealed to us in your holy word. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.